0: you. <music> by Shane and Derek, part of the Hockey Podcast Networks. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Sends Hour Podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by Customized Sports, your one-stop shop. For all your customized needs, head on over to their website, CustomizedSports.ca, or their eBay store at Customize sports at eBay. Today is a very special day. We will be joined by Haley Salvian later on in the show. I'm excited to have her on. We have a lot of questions asked. Uh, we, some of you individuals were nice enough to give us some questions. But, you know, Christmas is coming up. Christmas is a week and a half away. Derek, you know, how how is your Christmas prep going?
1: Man, it's stressful. I got a nine-year-old. It's a stressful time of year, but um, it's going, I guess. I did a lot of online shopping this year. I think a lot of people did just to avoid the stores. So, um, so I'm glad I got most of the shopping done and out of the way. And now it's just, you know, prep- uh, preparing for the dinners and the you know, family gatherings and the new kind of social distancing gatherings that we're all taking part in this year. So uh, that's how my Christmas prep is going. How about yourself?
0: Honestly, I'm almost done and I can't wait for it to be over. I hate, I hate, <laughs> yeah. I hate Christmas. I I hate. I love the family time, don't get me wrong. I love, you know, spending time with my family and my loved ones and whatnot. Obviously, this year is going to be a little bit different. But like the chaos of Christmas, I can go without it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Some some call me the Scrooge at work a little bit. You know, I'm not like one to decorate my work desk and not really one to uh, (laughs) to get into all the Christmas festivities. But at the same time, I have a nine year old. So I try to decorate the house. I mean, a little bit. You could probably (laughs) see back there. So uh, so I'm Christmas ready. But um, but it's a stressful time of year for some people. I think this year especially. It's just a different time this year. It feels a little bit different, um, but we'll try to enjoy it. And then, like you said, move on from it. And, you know, as soon as uh, as soon as it's December 26th, that's it. It's over.
0: <laughs> I know. Right. And I, I can't wait for it. And don't get me wrong. I love some of the Christmas festivities. You know, there are some really good nostalgic Christmas movies that I love to watch. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, you know, some of those ones I'm, I'm totally OK with. So there's some Christmas music that I can I can get behind. But the whole commercialization of Christmas, I'm just like, no, I'm not about it. I'm really not about it.
1: Yeah, man, there's always those classic movies. We watched uh, Home Alone the other night, and I was like, oh man, Macaulay Culkin. Like, (laughs) I don't want to show my daughter what he looks like now, but. (laughs) uh, but,
0: He's uh, a lot better now than he was like five years ago.
1: That's true, actually, that's true. He has, uh, thankfully, he's gotten the help that he needed, um, and he's looking much better these days.
0: Yeah, well, we have Haley in the waiting room, so we're gonna get her in and maybe get her take on her some of her favorite Christmas movies.
1: Nice way to start.
0: Hey, Haley, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing?
2: Good. Yeah, I was just listening in there a little bit. You're not a big Christmas guy.
0: Neither of us are. We we can rename it the the Grinch Grinch podcast for the Christmas holidays.
2: Oh my goodness, well, that's that's lovely. It's very cheery, right? <laughs>
1: Now we were just saying it's like a stressful time of year. We both have children. So it's like, you know, all the preparation and the stuff that goes into it all for one day. It's like, oh man.
2: <laughs> yeah. I have a dog. So I mean, I just get him a little treat, a little maybe a new toy. Uh, it's not super stressful. I mean, obviously trying to get stuff for family. I'm one of those crazy have to get the perfect gift for everyone kind of person. So I'll stress out about that. Like I remember before Target shut down i remember freaking out in a target because i was like i just didn't know if you know the picture frame that i bought to add pictures to was nice enough and i was like okay i think i'm taking christmas a little bit too seriously that i'm freaking out over a frame at the local target in Fergus. so (laughs) maybe i
1: I hear you though like we do secret santa at work (laughs) And yeah. uh, you're trying to like get a gift that's kind of generic, but not too personal, but something that's going to match the person's decor. And mm-hmm. you're looking through like Instagram photos to see if you can match their decor. It's like <laughs> you're driving yourself crazy over a $25 secret Santa gift. It's insane.
2: Go for the gift
0: card every time.
1: That's right. Tim Horton's gift card or, <laughs> or Starbucks, whatever, you know,
0: whatever yeah. your vote. Yeah. <laughs> are you staying in Ottawa for the holidays? Or are you going uh, back to Toronto?
2: Yeah, so I'm here in Ottawa right now. Um, I, I think I have to, my family lives in Niagara-on-the-Lake and we're just kind of monitoring what the situation's like. In Niagara, obviously Ottawa is, is doing okay. Toronto's been in lockdown, so I'm not going to be going to Toronto um, because there's so many restrictions and so many cases there. Niagara was okay for a while, but it's starting to trend uh, in a bit of a difficult direction. My parents say that, you know, every weekend they just see Toronto license plates driving everywhere. So I think a lot of the people are just leaving Toronto and going to Niagara region to do their shopping and and go do certain things. So we're kind of monitoring it. Um, I, I think there is, you know, if you're one, if you live by yourself, you're a one person household, you can go with another household. So um, I'm an only child, Christmas is, you know, I always do Christmas with my mom and dad. So hopefully I can go up. But, you know, if, if they announce that Niagara's on lockdown, we might have to change things. But we're just kind of monitoring the situation right now.
1: Absolutely. I'm up in uh, Muskoka. So, uh, same thing. <laughs> we're seeing a lot of Toronto license plates. <laughs> you know, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to start off uh, by just acknowledging something that, uh, the Scrum podcast recognized you for recently. They did a top 30, under 30 um, Canadian sports media professionals. Uh, and you were listed as number four. I don't know if you've even seen it, but um, but I just wanted to say congratulations for that. I mean, everyone is kind of acknowledging, you know, where you're at. Um, and I And I wanted to start off by saying, what advice would you give to a young female who is pursuing a, a career in sports media?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, And I think that's always a difficult one, because I I do get that a lot. And I've gotten more young women um, and young men wanting to break into this industry who've asked me, you know, hey, I'm a student at Carleton or Ryerson. And, you know, what can I do to get to where you are? And uh, there is no easy answer, because it's not easy to get into this business and um, to get the kind of uh, Exposure is not the right word. It, it's just not easy. And, and you know, I worked really, really hard. You know, when I was in my final year of university, I was on a varsity athletics team. I did cross country. I was working at a restaurant for money. I was interning at CBC News uh, and I was doing my undergrad. So I kind of grinded it out. I started working at for the Oshawa Generals while well, I worked at CBC and the restaurant. It's just I, the way I did it, and it's not for everyone, but the way I did it was just do as much as possible to make yourself as qualified as possible. So if you work in news, you're qualified for that. If you work in sports, if you're in hockey or in broadcast, you're whatever platform, whatever medium, just make yourself, you know, a, a jack of all trades, a, you know, a, a Swiss army knife. Because the way that the media is trending, and this changes all the time, it'll probably change three years from now. Um, But, you know, we're seeing multimedia journalists now. It's not just you're a TV reporter. You're not just radio. Um, You're writing. You're doing podcasts. You're doing some TV hits. So my, you know, advice would be make yourself as qualified um, and multifaceted as possible. Um, Be available. Network. That was a huge one for me is just knowing people um, and getting their advice and asking what they did and what i could do differently um it, it's it's not easy but if it's what you really really want to do it's it's totally worth it because i love my job and obviously there was some long days and long nights i know i there was a couple of times i worked at the restaurant until midnight and then i'd be on the 5 a.m shift at cbc and then have school and i was working at cbc like rolling the teleprompter and studying for my exams and then i'd go to the restaurants and it was a lot, but I mean I, I'm obviously really happy with where I'm at in my career. So it all kind of paid off.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for that answer. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, people don't realize, don't see all the behind the scenes stuff of, you know, how you got to where you are. They just see the end product basically and they're like, oh, I want to get there. And they don't realize the amount of hard work that goes into it.
2: Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, there are some harsh realities about the industry. And, you know, I had this conversation with somebody this year, um, you know, after some online backlash, there was just a bunch of drama on Twitter, and I just kind of ignored it. And I didn't um, respond to any of it and just kind of kept to myself. And, you know, I got a call from from one of my colleagues, and she just said, like, I wish the price of admission wasn't so high um, for women in this business, but sometimes it is. Um, And that's, you know, sometimes the advice that you have to give to, to young women who want to break into this business is like, it's tough. Like, sometimes there's going to be instances where you're treated differently, and it's not fair, and it's shitty. I don't know if I can say that on the podcast. (laughs) Um, uh, You have
1: a few times, you're good.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) just like swearing on the podcast. Oops. But, um, you know, sometimes the price of admission is unfortunately quite high um, in instances for women or um, for everyone, for, for people of color, you know, it's, it's different for everybody. And um, that's some of the harsh realities of this business. But I also think that sport and sport media is just a microcosm of society as well. So it's certainly not just limited to, to sports reporting.
0: Yeah, that it, it's the unfortunate realities. I think we've all seen it on Twitter and we've all yeah. kind of had to take a step back being like, wow, this this really just happened and we're really yeah. going down that route. Um, and it's unfortunate because we see it constantly and it's there has to be a time where it kind of just stops. But hopefully, hopefully it's this year. Hopefully 2021 is just <laughs> one of the best years that we've all experienced.
2: Yeah, I just, I mean, any advice to anyone with that is I just turn off my phone, turn off my computer, just walk away. there's one piece of advice I got from, he was my sports reporting professor. And then he ended up hiring me at The Athletic, Sean Fitzgerald, he's great. He told me, cause I kind of went back and forth with someone on Twitter my first year uh, covering women's hockey in the Marlies for The Athletic when I was still in Toronto. And he was like, word to the wise, you're gonna live a hell of a lot longer if you just don't respond because no matter how right you think you are, nobody wins an argument on Twitter. It doesn't matter if you're factually correct, but nobody wins when you just go back and forth on Twitter with someone. You're just wasting your time on social media. Just turn your phone off. So that was the advice he gave me to (laughs) elongate my life. He's like, you will live a lot longer, less gray hairs if you heed my advice here.
1: Now that now that's advice that we could all use like to be honest I think I need to take that's some of that right. advice
0: too. Yeah. yeah yeah I think I think we can all kind of just like I, I think we're all guilty of it getting into those arguments that probably yeah. should have ended a couple of tweets earlier but before yeah. we get into, to some senators talk and this actually kind of equates to senators talk uh, we have uh darks uh, dark age 9117 from twitch asking you know can the senators build off of the, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals approach in building a team and making it successful. So kind of a cross uh, sports question, but mm-hmm. if you're not much of a baseball fan for, for the listeners, the Cardinals kind of went on a steady, slow approach. They took their own way of success. Um, so, you know, that, that's a question for you. Do you think the Senators can build off of being a smaller market and doing things their own way? versus something like Toronto or Montreal could do kind of like what they have done with Tavares and Weber and whatnot.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think um, you're going to have to adjust to your market, right? And if the senators aren't going to be able to attract players like John Tavares, um, you have to go a different route. And I mean, I don't know if it's like a, Cardinals kind of way of doing it. But I honestly think this kind of slow build that they're doing, you have to be patient with a rebuild like this. And obviously it takes a long time um, as some fans are seeing this only my first year, but so I I haven't been a part of it for as long as everyone else. But um, I think the Sens kind of are going about it in their own way. Like we had this discussion not too long ago, like when was the last wholesale rebuild even I am from Toronto, I was like, well, the Leafs kind of rebuilt when they got Matthews in 2016, but it wasn't to the same extent. They weren't shipping out guys. So in a way, I think the Sens kind of are going it their own way because historically, how many teams have we seen do it this way? Um, There's lots of different kind of factors, but in terms of, you know, I think they can do it their own way, but I mean whether or not they're gonna find success in it um, remains to be seen because if they're doing it their own way, we don't have a historical reference to look towards and see, okay, well, is this a successful route um, to go other than if you're gonna go cross cross sport and look at the Cardinals, but um, it's a good question. I mean, it's not really one that I think we can have the answer to until we see how this kind of path that they're on uh, takes them. And if they're successful with it, I think it's possible, but uh, I definitely don't have a definitive answer for that. Not until we see it through.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's about right. I think we can all agree that the slow process has been slow and painful for a lot of fans. But you know, turning the page, and we'll honestly get right into it. Uh, starting with the the NoDak sense that have been trending <laughs> on Twitter. Um, you know, it's the only the only hockey sense fan have been able to take in recently. Uh, you know, it's a hockey-starved market where we're sitting in December talking college hockey. Who, are the are like, out of the small sample size thus far, who has impressed you most out of the four no, no, no dax sense players?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for anyone who's followed my stuff, I've always been very impressed with Shane Pinto, um, his backstory, the way that he plays the game. I think um, Pinto's the kind of player, while well, he is skilled. Um, you know, when he was drafted, he maybe wasn't someone who was as highly skilled as a Bobby Brink or a Kaliev. I know there was lots of blowback of about that decision to draft him, but I think what Pinto brings to the table and maybe where he doesn't have the same high level skill as some of those guys, he probably just has a more straight and long professional path for him because of all the other things that he brings to the table. He's not just a high skill guy. When you watch him play, He's playing in all three, like in all situations. He can play on the top PK. He's their best faceoff guy. He's on the power play, uh, always lining up on that left circle, like Ovechkin. Um, not to be over the top here, but um, he's got a wicked one timer on the left circle on the power play. Um, and he's obviously, um, you know, they're, he's their top line center now, so at even strength. So I'm just really impressed by. Shane Pinto's ability to play in all situations—he um, plays in all three zones. He's just—he's an impressive player, um, and I think he'll only continue to get better as under head coach Bradbury in North Dakota, and then eventually under Troy Mann, who's done an exceptional job developing prospects into solid professionals, um, and then DJ Smith. So I think there's a really clear and good path for Shane Pinto to the NHL and it's a small sample size, you're right, but he's been very impressive. And, you know, I think obviously we didn't get to see that much of Clevin and Sanderson, but I think Sanderson's defensive capabilities were as advertised leading up to the draft. That's really all anyone was telling me in terms of scouts and and coaches was just, you know, this is a guy that just swallows up his competition. You can't get past him. Uh, Like, good luck getting by Jake Sanderson. And I think some fans maybe didn't love that. they were like, well, we want a guy who can score, we need a top six forward, we need an elite talent. But like having a defenseman like that is, you're gonna need that if you want to win. Um, And to be able to draft it and build it at home and not have to go out and try to pay for a guy like that in the free market, invaluable. Tyler Clevin is a little bit different in the sense that he's not that you know elite, elite talent on the blue line, but that's gonna be, Look at look at what wins in the playoffs and look at what teams are always trying to add at the deadline. They're trying to add some grit, some sandpaper, a guy who's tough to play against. And so the sense have done, you know, they didn't really go the best player route and some scouting people don't like that. But when you're looking at roster building and looking at what do I need to add to this organization to win? Like you just you're adding guys in-house, so you don't have to keep going out to the market. And I guess that kind of goes back to the first question is can the sends find their own way of doing things because they haven't been the most attractive free agent market in previous years? Well, now they're just drafting them and, and growing them in-house. Um so I mean, long story short, Pinto's very impressive. Um, I think the two um picks from this year have looked really great too. And I think um, Bernard Docker, he's going to get a really big opportunity to shine Um, with the rest of the pod here. He's going to be taking even more minutes um, with Sanderson and Clevin out. So he's he's been quietly effective. Like I think Bernard Docker is not a guy that's really going to show up on too many highlight reels, but he's going to be a guy that you appreciate having in your top four. So. I'm just, I'm really impressed by all of the Nodak Sends, clearly. <laughs> it's a good, uh, it's a good team. And I have a ton of respect for Bradbury and what he's building there.
1: One more Nodak Sends theme question. Um, I ran a Twitter poll, I think last week, um, just asking SENS fans out of the three college free agents that the Nodak uh, North Dakota has, not the SENS. <laughs> um, which of the three do you think is most likely to be targeted by the Ottawa Senators? So, uh, I listed Jordan Kawaguchi, uh, the left winger, Reese Gaber, who actually plays on Pinto's line and mm-hmm. Matt Kierstad who's an offensive minded defenseman.
2: I would probably say one of the forwards, just because I don't know how many more defensemen the Sens need to add. It's going to get a little bit backlogged there. Um, Reese Gabers looked really good. Kyle Gucci, obviously, um, he was a finalist for the Hobie Baker. It's called the Hobie Baker in men's, right? I'm so used to the uh, Patty Kaz because I do more women's hockey stuff. I had a little moment there. um, Shout out to the Patty Kaz. Um, You know, he was a finalist for the Hobie Baker last year, and obviously he's going to get a ton of attention. Um, But, you know, if the Senators – were interested in Sanderson because of the familiarity with JBD then maybe they're going to be interested in Reese Gaber for the same reasons for that familiarity with Shane Pinto um, and you know it's only been a few games but Reese Gaber's looked very impressive as a freshman and Kyle Gucci's obviously a little bit older he's I think I believe he's a senior this year so Gaber's just going to continue to get better so um, I would personally say Reese Gaber, but I mean, I wouldn't uh, stick my nose up to any of them. Like I said, I'm a big fan of what University of North Dakota does for the does to develop these players.
1: I love it. In, uh, watching the games, uh, Gaber kind of reminds me of a Paggio in ways. Like he just has a few Paggio vibes, you know, he, he's a small undersized guy and he's a gritty guy that uh, yeah. he's not afraid to go the, into the corners. I like the way he plays. I like that kid.
2: Yeah. And he was, um, you know, post game after the first game, I believe it was, um, I asked him, you know, you haven't really had that much practice. You haven't had that much playing time, but you have this chemistry already with Shane Pinto. And he was just saying like, man, watching him on and off the ice has just already taught me so much. And if I follow what Shane's doing, I'm going to turn out okay. And So obviously Gaber is is looking towards Pinto as a leader. And I think if you can add him to the mix, that's great. But the fact that you have one of your prospects already taking on a leadership role in his uh, second season at North Dakota, I mean, that just speaks volumes to what the senators identified in Shane Pinto and not a lot of people did.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I remember everyone's reaction with Pinto being drafted and it's great that he's, Blossomed into this, you know, high ceiling player, and it kind of goes into to our next question. It goes into the NHL draft, and you kind of already touched up on it. But what do you know that made uh, Sanderson stand out at number five versus the abundance of top end forward talent that were available in that spot?
2: Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because if you, obviously sports are in your backyard. So lots of Sens fans were very focused on what Ottawa was doing, but the Sens weren't the only ones that passed on all that forward talent. Um, You know, Cole Perfetti dropped pretty low and he was someone who a lot of people said they wanted at number five and he ended up dropping to uh, 10 or 11 if memory serves me right. Um, So I think it was, and then obviously Jamie Drysdale went right after. So there was, you know, we thought that this was going to be a really forward heavy top 10. And, you know, I think some prospect analysts, my colleague Scott specifically, was like, this might be the first time in a long time where we haven't had a defenseman go in the top uh, five to eight picks because there's just so many elite forwards. And I think it just showed, you know, a lot of teams are building from the back out. Um, and to get a top pair, top four elite, elite defenseman, you um, and the senators obviously identified Sanderson as the best defenseman in the draft. And so if you can walk away with who you believe is the hands down best defender in the draft, um, I think that's, that's a good thing. Um, I liked the pick Uh, personally. I think, you know, like I said, when you're team building, you need a guy like that. And if you just look at the Sens roster right now, do they have a shutdown D guy? No, (laughs) not really. Like they have guys who can play D but they mostly have offensive puck moving, you know, modern type defensemen, And if you can add a guy who's going to really balance out your top four and add that really great shutdown role and some offense and the natural skating ability, you know, he's a modern defenseman, but he can shut you down and score. Whereas, you know, we saw with DJ Smith last year, really trying to help his younger guys develop those defensive responsibilities. so I just think that was probably a really big thing that was important to the Sens is just, you know, they identified him as the best player available, but also somebody who could help them win down the road.
1: Absolutely. And, and if you listen to Haley just, prior to the draft, I think there was subtle hints in there that Ottawa was going to take Sanderson. I know I picked up on that a little bit. You
2: picked up on those. (laughs) Yeah,
1: some people didn't pick up on those hints, but I I noticed some of the questions you were asking uh, Pierre and company prior to the draft. (laughs) Uh, They were a little Sanderson-focused, but um, shifting to the number three pick, uh, Timmy Stutzla. Um, This one we were kind of pressured to ask from sends Twitter, but we are gonna ask you anyway. So uh, I know you can't give a firm answer. Nobody has the official answer to this, but uh, people are wondering about the entry level contract and how he's still affiliated with Mannheim. Uh, What is your, I guess, what's your feeling on the situation since we don't have, you know, we don't have anything official and I told people we're not gonna get anything official. Uh, What's your sense on the whole entry level contract situation?
2: Yeah, so I think, you know, it's a, obviously it's a really different situation because in a typical draft year, Stutzla would have been drafted well before the deadline for the European signing um, window. So, but the league didn't change that signing window date. So things got really, really jumbled there. And um, so, you know, it is my understanding that there is, you know, a, it's not really it's not really called an out clause because the out clause is was for that window. It's kind of complicated, but my understanding is that you know the contract can be terminated by Mannheim for Spitzler to play in the National Hockey League. I don't believe it's been terminated yet because of the commitment to play at the World Juniors. So the German Hockey Federation and the DEL, where Mannheim is in that league, they have a partnership that basically, if you play in the DEL and you're a young player and you're eligible for the World Juniors, you're allowed to play. So without a doubt, you can be released. So that's probably a big part of it is just the partnership between those leagues, knowing that Stutzler was going to play for Germany at the World Juniors didn't really make sense to terminate the contract at that point to sign an ELC to not report to Ottawa because he's going to the World Junior Championships. Um, and that's, you know, he's on the roster and You know, I don't think he's been 110% cleared and he's already kind of said in interviews, like, we're gonna see how it goes. Um, But, you know, it's my understanding that that partnership was a really big reason of that. And, you know, every time I've kind of checked in and asked the people that I've been keeping in touch with on this, it's just, it's the same. It's, this is a really fluid situation and, you know, nothing is set in stone yet. We're just continuing to monitor and and talk about what's best. you know, I wrote in a story I think two ish three months ago. Now I lost all track of in sense of time, um, because this off season is dragging. I don't, I don't know. I thought it was. I keep saying the summer, and I talk to people I'm like, "How's your summer been?" Oh, it's December. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, a couple of months ago I did a story, and the general manager of Mannheim said that they believe that because of the shortened NHL season and all these different things that they believe that it would be best for Stutzla to stay in Germany this year. So go to the world juniors, go back to Germany and play for Alder Mannheim. But any general manager is going to say that the GM for Lucas Raymond is going to say that for Alexander Holtz, they're going to say that we want them to play for Sweden and come back and play for us because that's their star player. So you have to take some of that with a grain of salt, but it does raise an interesting conversation of, what is best for Tim Stutzler's development. Um, you don't want to rush a player like that. But if he believes he's ready and that's what he wants and the organization believes he's ready and that's what they want, you know, it, it's just complicated because the timeline with the World Juniors and, and when training camps are potentially going to start, you know, with a fifth overall pick, you hope that at the very least you get to see them at camp. So for him to come to camp, he would have to have his contract terminated with Mannheim. So, But he could go to camp and the Sens could take a look at him and talk to Mannheim and say, you know what? Maybe he's not ready. We're gonna loan you back to him. But then in that case, it's a loan agreement instead of him being under contract with Mannheim. He would technically be under contract by the Sens and then loaned back to Germany. So I think at the very least, we should i think that's probably a priority is to see him in training camp time permitting you know depending on world juniors and when camp start i think it's gonna if world juniors start on boxing day and then camp is starting december 30th or january 3rd um you know it's going to be tough so are we even going to see him in camp and if you can't see him in camp then does it make sense to pull him in for practice and throw him into games i don't know it's very. Uh, it's an. It's a good question, but it's just. I feel like I, just talked all over the place. It's very complicated, and a lot of it is just, extremely up in the air. But I think, what's best for Tim Stutzla should be, the priority.
1: Absolutely, we've had many of those same kind of in a circle conversations on here. Uh, I know Shane, you you're pretty opinionated on this. You feel he should be going back to Germany this year.
0: Go back to Germany. Don't waste his first year of a contract on 56 games. That in the end, like we're like it's a Canadian division. You can make an argument of how where Ottawa's going to land. But you know, I much rather him just go over to Germany, play out in Germany for the year, and then come back and have a full 82 game season in 21 22. Give us an extra year of that like window of him being under contract, especially if there's no AHL.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, even just when we were talking about that and I was trying to do the math in my head of when World Junior starts and when camp is like, oh, do you really want to throw a rookie into the National Hockey League without a training camp? It,
1: it might make more sense <laughs> to send it back to Germany, but I, I'm, I don't know. It's the fan in me that wants to see Tim Stutzla with Freddie yeah. Kachuk <laughs> right
2: away. You know. oh, yeah, yeah, but it is well. what it is.
0: Uh, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back. We got more questions, uh, World Juniors, and some fan questions from Twitter. So we'll be we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back.
3: We've got hockey talk. Those are the moments you're a sports fan for. Um, those are the moments where you know you're down through nothing, and the team has this amazing comeback, and the guy who you want, who you really are thinking this needs to be the star of this team has a hat trick. We've got beer. It has a unicorn on the can. An easy drinking beer that's just delicious. We want to help you understand the sport you love better. What kind of things are you looking for to understand the game better? What you know? What's a couple of things someone who's watching the game at home when things start up here in a few weeks, or if they're watching college hockey, what's going on right now, what kind of things would they be looking for to try and understand the game better or what's happening in the game, that sort of thing? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's, it's something that's evergreen. Um, Listen to Jackets Debrief, part of the Hockey Podcast Network and available wherever fine
0: podcasts are downloaded. And we're back after that quick break of the Jackets Debrief, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. And you'll come to learn that most of the people that are part of this network love to drink. If you have never seen one of our after hour shows, you're missing out because there's a lot of funny moments there. A lot of blackoutness, and it's just a great time. But, you know, we're we're into the second half of the show, and we got some world juniors to talk about. Um, as before the break, you know, where with, with Timmy Stitzel, we're going to continue on that train. Hasn't played since March, I believe, is when the the Dell season ended. Coming off an injury in a a Germany team that not a lot of people are expecting to, to do much. What what expectations do Ottawa fans? have or what should Ottawa fans expectations be for Timmy Stutzel on the world juniors?
2: Yeah, well, I think the injury obviously has to be taken into consideration. And I just would probably say, like, no matter what you see, don't freak out <laughs> one way or the other. Um, I think it's, you know, I personally haven't, that's this is the difficult thing. of You know, I haven't been able to see him play I haven't been able to see what he's done in practice like we really just know you know if I text the GM and say hey like did he skate today like yep looks good you know there's not that much to go off of um you know even just talking to Stutzla he's saying he feels great um you know feeling better so that's not that much to go off of in terms of you know what we can expect from him and really how he's doing I think you know there's still a fair bit of time he's going to be able to have that kind of full camp that they're expected to have before the world juniors with germany so i think that that's going to be his time to kind of get his feet under him on a camp level and if he can really push the pace and and drills and scrimmages etc whatever the german team plans on doing in camp that's going to be huge but you know he might take a period or two to to look like the tim stutzler that he looked like in Manheim last year. Um, so I, I would just say for fans, just be patient. Um, and obviously, you know, we, we've seen some guys go into the World Juniors and, and kill it and, and be amazing. You know, Shane Pinto had an amazing World Juniors for Team USA. Um, you know, I, I know last year when, I think, obviously before the draft, when fans were thinking, are we going to get Lafreniere? Are we going to get Byfield? You know, lots of fans were maybe disappointed in what they saw in Quinton Byfield. Um, There's tons of factors that go into a really, that's not a horribly small sample size, but it's not a huge amount of games. So I would just say um, temper the expectations, but you know, I obviously I'm not saying this because I think he's going to not play well. I think Stutzla is an incredibly talented player. Um, So I think it'll be, again, it's just, we're going to have to wait and see what he looks like um, because we haven't seen him. And He hasn't played in a while and you can practice and you can skate, you can go on the bike, but until you hop into a game, it's different. So, and we also haven't seen Tim Stutzla play against like competition in a long time. The men's world championships were canceled and that would have been a really good measuring stick of seeing Stutzla against NHL competition. So we really haven't seen Stutzla on this level comparable playing field in a really long time, Um, barely at all. So, um, it's going to be, you know, obviously, this would have been a really key measuring stick and seeing what the Sens kind of have in Stutzla against like competition. But I would also just say he hasn't played and this is a, a crazy year. So um, whatever happens, he's still, you know, third overall pick caliber, I would say.
1: Absolutely. Uh, sticking with uh, the draft um, and the world juniors, uh, I wanted to stick with that as well. Um, we have. Robbie Yarventi, as well. Um, you know, one of the other players that we haven't talked too much about tonight um, that probably deserves a mention. He's been, you know, tearing up the Liga. Um, and he's got some sick flow too under that Red Bull <laughs> helmet. Um, yeah. What do you expect uh, from Robbie Yarventi at the World Juniors? Do you think he's going to play like a prominent role on his team? Or do you think he'll be more kind of a maybe a power play specialist?
2: Uh, yeah, that's a good question, because I know in, um, you know, in Liga, he's been playing pretty sheltered minutes that really um, are geared towards the offensive capabilities for him. He plays a lot of power play, actually, yeah, he plays a lot of power play, uh, well, not a whole lot, but, you know, he's not playing shorthanded um, in his minutes. At least the last time I looked, he was playing about 13 minutes per game. Um, probably about two minutes on the power play. So, um, and he wasn't really put in that many defensive zone starts, but again, that's playing against men. Whereas the World Juniors, he's playing against his age group for the most part, you know, give or take a year or so. So I think we're going to see a a Roby Gervantes that's playing a prominent role for Finland um, because he's playing a prominent role on his men's team. Um, So, uh, you know, I think... We should be seeing, you know, what he has to offer, and you know, maybe he could be one of the really pleasant surprises, or continue to be one of the big pleasant surprises of this draft for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we we've talked about Yarventi quite a bit on the show. He kind of seems to come up almost every episode since the start of <laughs> uh, Liga, and. Again, Yerventi was a lot like the Pinto pick. A lot of people were kind of surprised by it, weren't really expecting that kind of pick. And now he seems to be one of the, the best prospects in our system. And, you know, moving into the prospects, uh, I think elite prospects just came out with their own uh, prospect rankings for the NHL. They had Ottawa at ninth. Some people don't agree with it. You know, there's some that have Ottawa in the top five. Where where do you arrive on that decision of where we, the Ottawa prospects should rank? And how do you go about deciding the rankings?
2: Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the elite prospects ranking, so I'm not quite sure who they had above the Sens. Um, I think all rankings are interesting to look at but I think everyone has completely different models and different standards on how they make those rankings. Um, personally, I, when I'm looking at a player specifically, um, you know, not even just doing a ranking of everyone. Like if I'm looking at, okay, the Belleville senators, and I'm looking at Josh Norris and Loka Brown, Philip Slapik, I'm looking at all these kind of guys. I'm personally not just looking at a model that I created with statistics. Um, but I'm also not just using the eyeball test. Um, I try to kind of use everything and build my opinions based on that. It, it's I, I learned this from Megan Shaika pretty early on when I was asking her about a couple of advanced analytics things. And she always said to me, like, analytics are great, but you have to find something that, like, you can tie in with that analytics. So you can't just say, like you know, these aren't real statistics, but you can't just be like, Josh Norris has like, an amazing core seat, and his like shots are fantastic. Like you can, and that's fine. But if you can just if you can say like, you know, Josh Norris is one of the best prospects at puck possession, and then find like a clip that shows him with incredible puck possession, driving to the net, driving play, putting a shot, then it's a more whole picture. So you know, I'm not saying that this is what elite prospects did, but I do think there are some rankings out there that are solely based on one single model that have been created that don't take so many other things into account. So while I look at all of the models that are out there, I don't ever really look at one and just say like, that is it, like that's the ranking, like that is how I feel about people. Um, that's not what I meant. Okay. Alone. It's like, no, 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 don't start this. I don't need an analytics floor.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> you hit send a little bit too early.
2: Like, oh, no. Um, I think analytics are great. If people read my stuff, I, I try to use a lot of analytics in my stuff, but like I said, I try to add a little bit more in there too, because if you're just saying like, look at this Gorsi and look at this Fenwick, I just think there's more to, creating a ranking and analyzing a prospect than a numerical model. Um, I, I, again, I haven't seen the elite prospects one. And, you know, I know they have some good prospect analysts there too. So um, I can't really speak too much on what they did. But in terms of my own personal rankings um, of the prospects within the organization, I try to kind of take a look at everything that's out there and use it all to make my personal opinion, because that's the thing. Everyone has their own opinion and their own way of doing things. So you're never going to see a ranking that's accurate to everybody. There's always going to be a problem. So um, yeah, I just kind of try to form my own opinions based on everything that's out there that you can gather.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think you know that's a, a much more you know whole assessment as opposed to you know just basing it off analytics. Um, I I wanted to ask you, is there a prospect recently, or maybe a couple of prospects that have risen up the Sens prospect pool rankings, or maybe some that have dropped down recently?
2: That's a good question. And I think that's probably different for everybody. There's probably some people who were really high on a guy before and they've completely dropped down or stuff like that. I think, again, that's probably personal. Like I would say, looking at the fan base, there's probably, there's definitely a few players that you can kind of point out that fans have maybe gotten a lot higher on it and dropped on others. I think the discourse about Josh Norris and Logan Brown kind of illustrates that, you know, I think a lot of people have gotten more high on Josh and kind of as Josh is looking really great, they're kind of looking at Logan and saying, well, he's been here a little bit longer. Why isn't he doing that? But I think it gets into dangerous territory when you start comparing prospects, because everybody has a completely different development curve and a different path to the national hockey league. Um, so I think that gets difficult. Um, and you know, I, from the, on a personal side, like you obviously feel for guys, especially if they're on Twitter and they're seeing that kind of stuff all the time. Um, cause it's not like they're not trying, like you don't, get to this point because you don't want to be in the NHL. So um, everyone just, some people just take a little bit longer and sometimes there's things in the way like injuries or your playing style. Um, but I look, those are probably two that you can kind of see going up and dropping down a little bit. And there might be a bit of recency bias involved there for sure. Um, I think fans have obviously gotten pretty high on Shane Pinto and Roby Gerventi, like we've spoken about um, just, you know, considering where they started where everyone's like who the hell is that why would we do this and now it's like oh my gosh wow good pick um there's been quite a bit of sock love love even though he hasn't played since March I've seen a lot of people really liking him just for who he is as a person um and that really lovely story and that really beautiful video like almost made me cry with the music playing on it it's just very he's someone you look at that and that's kind of like the Prototypical, like poster of like what it means to make it, um, and that video was just so so lovely. Um, I think there's been, um, I think um, Joey DeCord has probably risen for a lot of people, um, and again, kind of like the Logan and Josh situation. People are maybe like, what's going on with Phil Gustafson a little bit as Joey DeCord starting to pass him, um, but I think all of this is just that was like one season's worth of, of ups and downs. And I think once games come back and we start watching these guys again, um, like we don't know who had a really great off season. Um, you know, I think there's probably some guys who are going to come into camp and be pretty different because they took these 10 months and they looked inside and said, you know what, why haven't I made the NHL the last three years? I'm going to change something. And, they actually went and made those changes. So a lot of the opinions that we formed on these players are, are really old opinions from 10 months ago. So a lot can change. Um, so, but I, you know, I think everything I just said is going to completely change once we see everybody on the ice again. Um, you know, Schlappich and Balser's Those are guys who people are kind of like, okay, look at their contract and we can see this is kind of like a one year, like, show me, you can, you can be here full-time kind of thing. Uh, And I I don't even know, they're kind of like on the fringe of a prospect, like age wise, it's just kind of at what point do you stop calling them a a prospect? And they're kind of getting to that point a little bit. I don't know. Like all this is just going to fly out the window once the season starts, because they're all going to be. Very different. Um, I think Christian Molanin's probably. I don't know if you can call him a prospect anymore because he's like 25. Like usually, there's kind of a cutoff, but I think he's someone who'll probably surprise some people. Like I was looking at lots of different rankings and, and depth charts, and people had him as like a third pair. It's like Molanin's hmm, not a third pair guy. Like he's top four on this roster currently. So I think he's going to be a guy that really rises up. And I don't think he fell. I just think he had an entire year lost and people kind of forgot um, how promising he looked. And I think he's going to really rise in people's eyes this season.
1: Absolutely. I, I want to do a fun uh, little segment. Um, I'm calling this one keeper or trade. Uh, and and this one's for both oh, of no. you. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to force On you guys into making really tough decisions here. Um, so in, okay. in this next segment, I'm going to read two players um, that I think are pretty similar in ways. Uh, they may be Senators players, they may not. Um, and you guys have to choose who you're going to keep and who you're going to trade. Now you could take everything into consideration. You could take their age, contract, character, whatever you want to choose. <laughs> you may not want to choose character. But uh, whatever you want to choose to make your decision, you can make it. And I'll let you both answer. So Haley, we'll go to you first on this one. Christian, Yaros, or Josh Brown? Keep or trade? (laughs) This is a tough
2: one, right? Um, Let's go Josh Brown. He's under contract for the NHL two years, pretty cheap. Uh, He's got that relationship with DJ Smith. He's on the right side. Yaros has had a couple of years to show that he can play in the National Hockey League. And I mean, the Sens' blue line hasn't been great for a long time, and he couldn't crack it. Um, so I'm going to go with Josh Brown.
1: Shane, are you going Brown or are you going Yaros?
0: So the, the, I have a difficult one here because I, I love Yaros. I think he, he's, he could be a great player as a third-pairing like third guy. But I, I'm keeping Josh Brown. I know we haven't seen him yet in an Ottawa uniform. There's a small sample size with Florida last year. But I feel like him him and Will an Lanning could do damage. And I, I'm excited to see if he actually gets a chance to play with Shabbat in, in whatever camp we get. But I like Josh Brown. I think he could he could be here for a long run if he if he can step up and take a spot this year.
2: Especially under the systems that DJ Smith plays. Florida played a lot, a system that really favored the kind of Shabbat style defenseman who can move the puck and who can skate. Whereas DJ is more of a push him out of the crease, get in the lanes, just be a big body. And so I think you're going to see Josh Brown thrive in a different way in Ottawa than he hasn't before. And so for that reason, plus the cheap contract, like I said, I'm keeping Josh Brown.
1: Makes sense. Uh, this next one, Logan Brown or Vitali Abramov?
2: I'm keeping Logan Brown. Um, that, was a,
1: that, was uh, quick that was
2: quick. Yeah, I think Vitaly Bramov has a ton of skill, a ton of potential upside. Um, but he also just, you know, he's hasn't shown the ability to play on both sides of the puck where, you know, he's incredibly skilled um, and he's very creative. But, you know, we've seen a Abramov score a goal and then get completely beaten, benched. So I haven't seen enough from him that shows me that he can be a regular top six responsible NHL player. I think he has a ton of potential, but there's also not that many centers that can do what Logan Brown can do when he's healthy. Um, he's a big body. He's an incredible playmaker, incredible vision. So centers are harder to get. And way more valuable in my opinion than a skilled winger so I'm keeping Logan Brown
1: Shane if, if you disagree you better have a good explanation
0: <laughs> uh, I'm I'm taking a bram off and that's purely for the fact that I look down the center the, the center position and I just don't see a spot for for Logan Brown if you know Norris pans out pinto pans out and if Timmy Stutzel is, is expected to be as a center I just don't see any kind of room for Brown in the on this roster right now I think a off
2: what about on the left side though? Because in the top six you're probably gonna have Brady Kachuk and Foreman So then
0: Abramoff's not
2: gonna be a third liner.
0: Can Abr- I thought Abramoff played both sides. At least that's what like his his elite prospects yeah. and his uh hockey DB say is that he he's a left wing, right wing. Yeah. So like I don't know, I feel like Abramoff is one of those guys where like and and realistically if if we're are we trading them for something or are we trading them for nothing? Nothing.
1: I don't, know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: I didn't think that far into it. <laughs> if you're saying like, if there's value in, in Brown, like, I don't know. I feel like if you look down the center position and even on the wing, like I think outside of, you know, yeah, we have died he and Connor Brown for three years, but our left side is relatively open right now. So mm-hmm. if they plan on having Stutzel as a center, that, that left side's open. I think a Bromov along with Balsers, they both can kind of battle for that spot this year. I, don't know, I think just I like the center depth too much to keep Brown around if uh, if we're gonna if, we're, if these guys are gonna plan out.
2: Do you so? Do you keep Colin White over Logan Brown then?
0: I would feel much more just, confident. Just wait, Colin, Colin White's White. name is I, coming. <laughs> I feel much more confident keeping uh, Colin White as a as like a middle six, like a third or fourth line center, over having Logan Brown as my third or fourth line center.
2: Yeah. Agree to <laughs> disagree. I'm just I
1: glad just I think
2: that to,
1: just glad I get to host this. Like, I don't have to argue. I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, but I think they're both great. That was the, That's a difficult one because I think they both have a ton of upside and they're both incredibly skilled. They just bring that skill in different ways. Um, but I think that having a, a center who can make the kind of plays that Logan does is, is very, very valuable.
1: All right, we're going to stick with the center theme. Colin White or Shane Pinto? If the last one wasn't hard, this one should be harder. <laughs> go for it, Haley. Uh,
2: I mean, this shouldn't be shocking because I was basically, like, boosting his tires the whole show. But I'm probably going to go with Shane Pinto over Colin White for all of the things that I said about him this entire time. Like, I'm not going to just – like, my check is basically in the mail from Omaha right now. So – I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying Shane Pinto, but I think, like, I'm not on the train of trade Colin White, give up on him because he had one difficult year. Um, I just think that the potential for for Shane is is very, very high.
0: Yeah, I agree. This is a honest.
2: mean activity.
0: <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's gonna get I'm worse. Oh, yeah, I've already seen – I've seen the, the next couple of questions. They're not – it doesn't get any yeah. easier. Um, but I'm picking I'm picking Pinto on this. I think it's like he's playing – this is, what, his fifth year playing competitive hockey? His ceiling, it just – it keeps growing. I just – you can't give up on that. Yep.
1: I think the ceiling is – yeah, I think the ceiling for Shane Pinto is a little bit higher, perhaps, than Colin White. But I'm not answering these. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. we're on the Pinto train. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone's feeling Pinto right now. I mean, everyone watched the play. All right, this next one's even harder. So Jake Sanderson or Eric Brandstrom? You knew I was going to ask it. Haley? Uh, uh,
2: that's a toughie. Uh, that's difficult because, like, you gave up Mark Stone for Branstrom, but you used a fifth overall pick. On Jake Sanderson, you can probably because you have Thomas spot for eight years. You can probably lose Branstrom. So I'm gonna say Jake Sanderson. I'm gonna keep him.
1: So there you He's have there. it. Folks. Like Haley funny. would trade Eric Branstrom. Quote. <laughs>
2: I swear to God, if there's, like, a list of everything I said and someone turns this into a story, I'm just, like, going to sit in a cave somewhere.
1: (laughs) Shane, who are you taking here?
0: Taking Sanderson. I I felt like picking Sanderson, you're kind of forcing Branstrom to to show the the flashes that we all think he can do. We saw it in Belleville. Hopefully it can translate to the NHL. Do they go back on their word and have – Branstrom move over to the right side, because I don't see Branstrom being a third-pairing defenseman. I've said it before. If it's between the two, I think Branstrom's the one that gets moved out. And, I mean, yeah, we traded – we got, we gave Mark Stone away from him, but like Haley said, a fifth overall pick. If he plans out, I'd much rather have a two-way forward than another puck moving, considering we have Shabbat for eight more years.
2: And then you can have Willanen as your third pair. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think I agree. Like you guys made a good case on that one. Um, All right. Last one before I give you a nice, easy one to finish. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a leaf prospect in this one just for the fun of it. So Robbie Yarventi, if I'm saying that right, hopefully, uh, or Nick Robertson from the Leafs.
2: Hmm. Like, we're just going to assume that Nick Robertson is, like, on the end now. Okay. Why not? Uh, yeah, I mean, if we're building for right now and we're making this trade right now, uh, Nick Robertson has already shown that he can play at the NHL level in flashes. I think he impressed a ton of people in Toronto last year. Um, and I think he could be, you know, like, that kind of bulldog type I mean, he would probably play really well with DJ Smith's system. Um, and and Roby is probably three years away from pro. So for we're building right now, I'm going to take Nick Robertson just because he's further along. Not because of the Leafs. I don't need any of that today.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you actually picked uh, an Ottawa prospect for this one considering all of the uh... – Twitter fighting between Montreal and Toronto about Caulfield versus uh, Robertson, but honestly, I'm going to take Garaventi. I think Garaventi fits the the long-term plan more than Robertson. And I don't know. I I wasn't impressed with his overall game. And I mean, if this was next season, like if this was next off season and, you know, Nick was in the NHL all year and he showed that he can do it, probably my answer would be different. But I think Yarventi is probably the safer choice. I think Robertson's more of a boom or bust kind of player. Interesting. I I I saw him play a lot in junior. So, yeah,
2: Yeah. I saw him play a ton in junior hockey, and like, like, he's good. Like he has proven good. So, I'm sticking with him.
1: I've seen highlights of Jarventi, but I haven't really seen his full game and the kind of yeah. low minutes scares me a little bit. Like, I wonder how he is away from the puck uh, for that reason, because I've seen Nick Robertson play. I would probably say Robertson's a safer choice. Uh, anyways, I'm going to give you guys a gift on the last one. Cause that was tough. Um, here you go. Uh, Eric Carlson or Tim Stutzla, Josh Norris, Chris Tierney, Rudy Balsers <laughs> and a second round pick. Who are you guys taking?
2: I mean, it seems obvious to me that I feel like people will be mad, but I'm taking the package. Yeah. Mad Sogard's in there too, technically, in the trade tree.
1: Y- yeah, so. I knew I'd miss somebody. Like, yeah. it's no, here. it's a
2: ton. <laughs> yeah, and then whatever they use the DeMello pick on. So who would have that been?
1: Uh, third round, uh, did they move that pick? For Clevin, I wonder if that was involved in. The- oh, it is
2: Tyler. I think it's Clevin, forty-four. Was that who they got from Winnipeg?
1: Right, and then so they, Tyler yeah. Clevins in there too. It's I'm a, taking it's the a complicated tree. <laughs> Let's say that. I
2: know I I mapped it out in like April, and it just got even more complicated after this draft. So I'll have to revisit that every year. It's my annual trade tree extension. But yeah, I'm taking the package. I'm sorry to Carlson fans around the world, but yeah.
0: I took the package when the deal was announced. I'm sticking with the package now, not yeah. going back on it. The Outside of the third overall pick, like, realistically, outside of that, I think Tierney, Norris, and Balsers alone, with the way they've all kind of shown and improved, al- makes it worth it overall. Adding in the third overall pick is just, you know, putting a cherry on top of a very good Sunday.
1: All right,
0: let's get into over-under, Shane. Well, actually, I, um, so, yeah, we do we do an over-under segment every week or every episode. Um, I like looking at the betting lines and whatnot. But before we do, because there's been multiple questions asked that have been asked on Twitter, we're going to do the Twitter questions first. Um, and starting with the new era sends, and this one has been asked by everyone on Twitter since, really since March, uh, Brady Kachuk hasn't signed with the Ottawa Senators Is this a bad sign, or are we just reading way too much into it?
2: Yeah, probably reading too much into it. Um, I think if you just look at what Matthew did, um, their statistical numbers over the first two seasons are actually somewhat similar. Um, And then Matthew had a really big boom in his third year, and then he obviously signed that you know, pretty, pretty good contract. I don't have the exact numbers up in front of me, but I think he's making around seven for three or four years. He signed a pretty hefty bridge deal. Um, and he probably wouldn't have signed for that much money if he signed after a year or two, um, because of how good his third season was. So, you know, their brothers, the family is involved. I believe like one of their uncles is their agent. Um, got to fact check that but, you know, the family is obviously involved. So I just think Brady is going to do the same thing as Matthew, bet on himself. Because, I mean, Brady had first, you know, his first two seasons were good. But if he can, you know, do even better, he's going to make even more money. Um, so I just think he's betting on himself. I wouldn't read too much into it. This is just a confident, skilled young player who's saying, you know, I'm going to be even better in my third year. And, you know, I'm going to cash the check just like Matthew.
1: Right. And and the team has the control here. So I don't see why, you know, I I don't really see why people are so worried about this, but maybe it's an Ottawa thing.
0: (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't just look at the financial situation right now. Like, I mean, nobody's off-sheeted Anthony Sorelli, nobody off-sheeted Sergeyev. you know, I don't know what the finances around the league are going to be for somebody to offer sheet Brady Kachuk next year. Um, I think Mitch Marner only got like one or two offer sheet offers too. So it's just, if you're worried about an offer sheet, like history would suggest that you're probably okay. Um, and if you lose Brady Kachuk to an offer sheet, I guess that's kind of like a funny storyline. I mean, it's not funny though. It suck, but it would be just kind of like, oh, wow, it actually happened. And it happened to Ottawa. <laughs>
1: That would not be be funny, Haley. (laughs) That would not be funny.
2: That's my, like, really weird, that's my bad sense of humor. (laughs) It wouldn't be funny. It would be horrible. And it would just be, like, of course the, like, one huge offer sheet happened to the (laughs) sends.
0: But, But, hey, I mean, if Otto doesn't, like, match an offer sheet for Brady Kachuk, the offer would have to be substantial because that's, like, four first-round picks.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, if, if it's that much money, then it's, you're kind of like, oh, okay. It would just be strange. So I don't, the whole point of me saying this is like, don't worry. It's fine. It'll be fine.
1: There you go. Uh, this one's from Nick Dumoulin on Twitter. Uh, where would you rank Cole Caulfield if he were in Ottawa's system? You can give us a uh, number if you want,
2: I honestly, I. That's a tough one. Like, I probably don't know enough about Cole Caulfield, um, as bad as that sounds. But I mean, yeah, like, top five? Ballpark? Yeah. Top five prospect? Depend. Like, it's just, it's kind of, that's a difficult question because that's not really a player that, I don't know, I think I just haven't seen him up against and with other sense prospects. I, when I'm looking at prospects and stuff, I'm very tunnel visiony and I kind of just like to see them all kind of together. Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, he's a big talent. Obviously a lot of fans are very high on him. Um, so, I mean, I could see him being a top five prospect. sense prospect pool that was a good question i mean that yeah i I probably that's not something that i could really say off the top of my head unfortunately
0: yeah i mean i i just find it funny because again twitter twitter wars going at each other because you know we got nothing else to do so we're just talking prospects and yeah you're you're gonna love this question because you've been pumping his tires all episode no, oh, no. Shane Pinto, anything in the works with, with Shane Pinto going on article wise or anything? Can you give us any details?
2: Um, so I had my Shane Pinto feature that came out at the beginning of quarantine. So if anyone didn't read that and they want to know about Shane Pinto's path, um, super interesting. He actually didn't play hockey, like you mentioned off the top, but you know, he wanted to be, a major league baseball player. His whole family is baseball and softball. His sister plays uh, NCAA uh, women's softball, uh, Division One, I, I believe. So they're they're like a big baseball family. Um, and then it was the second Stanley Cup that Sidney Crosby won. And he, I remember him telling me, like, I remember watching this and just kind of having this moment of like, huh, <laughs> like he just won back to back cups. Like maybe I'll play hockey. Uh, and then just started watching all this game tape of Crosby, Mark Shifley, and then just really just boomed up the ranks uh, in hockey. So I think Pinto has, you know, a really uh, interesting story. And one of his former coaches said, like, I've been coaching for 10 years, dozen years, and I've never coached anyone like this kid. So if anyone hasn't read that story, there is a story about Shane Pinto's path to the Ottawa Senators that I wrote probably back in April um, I don't have any big features in the works right now but you know I have it on my bucket list to you know hopefully get to do some stuff some more stuff with University of North Dakota it's just a little difficult because they're inside the pod and they're in that bubble but um, I definitely have some stuff in my back pocket for the future uh, pending you know the state of the world so something to maybe look forward to
1: all right, from third line plug pod is the last uh, question from the Twitterverse. Uh, in one word, what's your opinion on the Sens reverse retro jersey? Might be hard in one word, but.
2: They're just cool. There you go. Cool. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> they're cool. I like the red. <laughs> I like the all red a lot. They just look really clean.
1: Perfect. Shane, you're muted. <laughs> All
0: right. uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. my cat's being, you know, attention meeting right now, so <laughs> <laughs> to, to mute it while he meowed at me. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree that, you know, the the Sens jersey is just clean. It's basic. It's kind of just with – kind of goes with the return to roots. It's nothing too fa- fancy. But, you know, that's leading into our – uh, final segment, which happens to be our over/under. And last week, we're gonna we're gonna redo this. We've done it twice already, but we want your opinion on it. Last week, we did the Sens total wins in a Canadian division, and we put it at twenty-two and a half wins for Ottawa. I believe we both went over. Uh, Derek went, I think, went twenty-three last week. I went to twenty-seven. Um, and for the listeners who don't know, the wins total is. Uh, regulation wins and half a win for a shootout or overtime loss. So Haley, what is your total wins for the senators in a short end 56 Canadian division season?
2: You know, I actually kind of did the math on this not too long ago. And I looked at their wins percentage against Canadian teams. And then I put that to a 56 game season. Um, Like, I just said, like, don't just do the analytics and the statistics. But based on the statistics, I believe it was under 22. Because their win percentage was around 300 and something against Canadian opponents. Oh, there's a cat. Um, If I'm going by the numbers, uh, I would say the under. But... uh, Let's say they win. How many games did they even win this year? Like 30,
0: 28, No, I think total uh-huh. wins was like like regulation or or even just like a win per se. Yeah, regulation
2: was like, wins was like thirty or something, right?
0: Um, I, was, I was literally looking at it earlier because I always look at Ottawa Senators stats because
3: lucky reference.
0: Lucky reference is the best thing ever. I love it. They were 25, 34, and 12. So they were at 31 wins total last year.
2: Okay, but only 25 regulation?
0: Yeah, 25 actual like wins. They had 12 uh, extra time losses.
2: I'll say like 22 wins
0: then. Ooh, just going right under. Just yeah, right under just the threshold. Right
2: because is that regulation wins that you guys have
0: uh, No, so over, the, under the, the 22 and a half is uh, regulation wins plus half a win for overtime shootouts losses. okay
2: uh, well, they go to extra time a lot so then maybe I'll take the over let's just say like 24.
0: I think there was a, I think Jay fresh had a, a graph that had Ottawa with like 12 regulation wins and like 13 or 14 overtime losses and yeah. like I'm just like that I mean if Hogberg's in net we're most likely going to overtime
2: yeah you're going to overtime a lot
0: <laughs> like yeah
2: yeah no I think when I just did the when I took the points percentage from Canadian teams last year and then applied it to a 56 game season it was probably 18 regulation wins that I got but if you're taking into account overtime let's go I'll take the over like 24 25
0: so not much over but still over hey man that's uh that's pretty good I mean I think most most people outside of the Ottawa community are expecting Ottawa to have be like the worst team in the league for some reason because we play in probably the toughest division.
2: It's going to be a really difficult schedule um, when you just look at, uh, you know, the Sens don't get to have those games against San Jose and Detroit, um, Buffalo, New Jersey anymore. Um, it's going to be against really difficult Canadian opponents on a nightly basis. And, um, you know, those Canadian teams are good. Like there's gonna, there's never a night off in the national hockey league, but there are some games where they're good confidence boosters for guys like Nick Paul had his red lobster game against the San Jose sharks. You're not going to have that. You're going against Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, uh, nightly basis. You're on the road a lot. Um, It's going to be like it's going to be everyone's on the same playing field, like everyone's doing all the traveling. But when you just look at the difficulty of schedule, the Senators have one of the most difficult schedules league wide. And they obviously have the most difficult schedule against everyone else, because based on the analytics and the models, everyone else gets those games against Ottawa that makes their schedule a little bit easier. So it's not going to be easy. But last year wasn't going to be easy for them either and they made a couple of good um, acquisitions this offseason and a couple of their young players can take steps in the right direction they're going to look fine but it's going to be I'm excited to see how this works out for the team because it's going to be it's going to be tough I think but it'll be good I just yeah we're not going to know until we actually see it so
0: yeah I mean that's I mean, I think we're all expecting something on Wednesday. I think that's the the last day or the expected day for the NHL to officially announce um, that there's going to be a season Uh,
3: Mm -hmm. before
0: we, before we wrap things up. Do you know anything about that? Is there anything you can give us about (laughs) what possible season we might have?
2: I mean, nothing that hasn't been posted by Pierre Lebrun, Uh, my colleague from the athletic or Darren Dreger, honestly, I think, you know, obviously some of the Sens players have started coming back. Um, I know some of the guys are almost on their quarantine soon. And, you know, but I don't believe except for maybe some of the guys coming from Europe. I, I don't think that the earlier wave of guys like they didn't come back because the league was saying, like, come back now. They just they just came back um, to get their quarantine over with. Like, I don't believe there was a mandate that said, you guys need to leave so you can get back here as soon as possible? Um, yeah, honestly, like my information is from the same source as everybody else. Um, these aren't, you know, I got a couple of things here and there, but every time I would get one, I would go to Pierre and say, Hey, I got this thinking I skipping over with a little scoop. And he's like, Oh yeah, I already have that. It's like being posted at three. Okay. So (laughs) I let LeBron do that kind of stuff. That's his, that's his forte. So.
1: Absolutely. Haley. Haley. Thank you so much for joining us. I know we kept you like way longer than I said it would be. (laughs) So
2: I ramble, so that's partly my fault. I talk a lot, so.
1: No, it's very detailed and we really, really appreciate it. So you can check Haley's stuff out at The Athletic uh, as well on the Common Sense podcast. Uh, Anything else you want
0: to plug?
2: No, I think that's everything. You wear many hats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, real question. Um, for the the national women's like the national like the women's hockey league, are you going to be doing anything when they're in the pod? In like what I think they're February. Is it February that they're starting in the pod?
2: Yeah. Again, that kind of depends on travel restrictions and stuff too, right? So they are going to be doing their um, NWHL bubble. A lot of the stuff with the bubble is still um, being finalized. It'll be finalized closer to the date based on what the more up to date restrictions and. And kind of policies are like. Um, and it obviously depends what's going on with the sends too. Can I take that time off? Do I have to quarantine for two weeks when I come back? It's, you know, there's a ton up in the air, but um, it's definitely something that's on my radar. But at the same time, uh, the world we live in is difficult, you know, borders closed. Um, you can still fly, but we'll see what happens. But it would definitely be very cool to cover um, an event like that. And I think it's great that the NWHL has you know, scheduled that and these players are only playing for two to three weeks and they're making their full salaries. So, um, you know, I think when you have, you know, the MLB did it, the NHL did it, they're fighting over, you know, who's going to get paid what and the NWHL is by no means one of the richest leagues out there. And they're saying, we're going to pay you guys your full salary. So obviously the salaries are not the same amount of money, but, you know, I think it's great that the league is doing that for their players. And, you know, it would be cool to be there, but you no, know, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Again, Haley, thank you for coming on. I know Derek and you guys set it up. You didn't tell me anything about a time frame. So Derek gets a little bit of blame on that.
2: <laughs> it's called the sends hour. So I was like, so it'll be an hour.
0: <laughs> yeah, generally. <'cause>, yeah. <laughs> so
2: um, that was my expectation. I,
0: so I, okay. I didn't want to scare you away. <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully we can have you on once the season, uh, before the season starts, once training camp wraps up and whatnot, you can give us a little bit more of a in-depth breakdown of camp battles and whatnot and hope to see some, uh, hope to read more of your work as the, as the next couple months roll on. And thank you very much for joining us.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. Guys,
0: right, guys. that's all for today's episode. Uh, remember check out Haley's stuff on the athletic follow her on Twitter. Great follow. Uh, for myself, Shane underscore Ryan 97. For Derek D. Lee 075, you can follow his stuff on new uh, New Aerosens and Sunshot. And we'll be back live. Uh, we go live twice a week, new episodes Thursday and Monday. So, yeah, anyway, guys, have a wonderful one. Stay safe and uh, have a very safe holidays.